0: The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Jeremiah, what's going on, brother?
1: What is good, dude? How you doing?
0: I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing?
1: Good, bro. What have you been doing with your training and nutrition lately? I don't think we've talked about that as of late.
0: So honestly, my training and nutrition has stayed... Um, the exact same as the last time that we've talked, I haven't necessarily changed anything up. So I feel like it's been since February, maybe February, uh, maybe, maybe March. I started just a slow build, um, back then around like 180 pounds. And I've been running a lot of Paul or just solely running Paul Carter's, um, what's it called? The yoke squad, his app to where I'm training, like on a push pull leg, um, <laughs> split, and just okay. really focus on building muscle, man. So it's been a really enjoyable. Like we've talked about my training has changed a ton over this year. And I've really just put a f- sole focus on hypertrophy training with really no focus on like, I was doing a lot of, a lot of strength work um, back before. I always made that like a big staple for some reason, like having a big squat and a big bench were important to me. Like I kind of I don't know. I just always kind of wrap my worth up into it. Like I've got to have these bigger numbers in my squat and bench because if I ever train with my buddies, like I want to have a strong squat and bench for really, really no reason, which just ended up always leading to nagging injuries, especially on the bench press. I was always trying to get a little bit wider with my hand positioning to have a little bit less of a range of motion and digging up my shoulders. And this never worked out super well long-term. I squatted for a really long time, which I mean, I don't think it's a secret. I got a big old juicy peach yeah I got a big old butt which honestly came from squatting for years on top of years like I'm a very hip dominant squatter which I didn't really realize before I understood the biomechanics of training and like uh, how that works and like how to emphasize specific muscle parts over others like I I never really knew and so I always thought like oh yeah I'm gonna squat for big quads and now like I look at my squat and (laughs) I've got a huge butt because I was always super super hip dominant in my squat, right? So I trained like that for years on top of years with hypertrophy stuff built in, like more of a power building style of training Mm -hmm. with a lot of strength work, moved into a little bit of hypertrophy work at the end. But long story short, I've moved everything into just strictly hypertrophy training this year. And one, my knowledge base in terms of hypertrophy training, I feel like has gone through the roof. Like I've learned a ton because I've just focused on that one specific area of training, which has allowed me to go, a lot deeper as opposed to always going wider, focusing on everything. Um, and two, I've really enjoyed it. Like my, my volume has come down tremendously. The way that Paul trains is in a way that our programs is in a way that I've ever programmed or trained or, or anything ever in my entire life. So it's been super different. The volumes are super low. Like in week one, we're literally doing one working set to failure. Like we have three or four acclimating sets, but then it's just one working set on that exercise to all out failure. And then you okay. move on to the next exercise. You essentially do the same thing. Like it's the all out failure. Um, and then like you do that for the first two weeks and you're just aiming to really progressively overload in those first couple of weeks of training. So that first week's to all out failure, right? Second week's to all out failure. Well, there's, a, there's, a, there's an introductory phase before that. So there's a, a week I before that that's like introduction, introducing yourself to the exercises. Then it's the one week to all out failure, second week to all out failure. And then the third, fourth, and usually sometimes the fifth week, it just depends on the, the miso but, um, then you start adding high intensity techniques, right? So now you're maybe like some exercises, maybe you're just adding an additional set to failure, like a drop or a, a down set. Some you're adding triple drop sets. Some you're adding big clusters, but all of the work that you're doing inside of everything is like, you're expected to take everything to failure. There's no, there's no like reps in reserve. Like, it's like you go all out to, until you can't do any more reps. And so like, Obviously, if you're training that way, you're not using a bench press, you're not doing a barbell back squat. So like, it's a lot of dumbbell work. It's a lot of hack squat, leg press type work. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. Like my training sessions, literally dude, they, I had a push day yesterday. It took me 35 minutes and like I'm Damn. like 35 minutes in and out. And so I like that because my life is busy. I have a lot going on. And so like to be able to get into the gym, hit it hard to be able to leave, it's super convenient. And I've never trained this way before. So I feel like I've put on some a decent amount of muscle over the last little while. And I've gone from 180 to about 190 in the last nine months. So gaining around like that pound Solid. per month. Yeah. I haven't been tracking, just doing it all intuitively, gauging the scale. Like I'll track every now and again just to make sure that my protein is up where it needs to be, like just to make sure that I'm not decreasing that. But just done it all intuitively and it's it's worked really well. So I'll probably plan a cut. Maybe in like January. Well, no, not in January. It'll probably be at least at least February. I'd like to be lean by next summer. Okay, so I'm just gonna keep building but I don't really maybe I'll allow myself like to get to 195 I've never really allowed myself to get above 190 ever like that's always been like the tipping point But i'm leaner at 190 right now than I ever have been so I may allow myself to get to To 195. We'll just see. I'm not sure. What's your opinion on that? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that just in terms of like let's say somebody's been building for a good amount of time, right? Like mm-hmm. for me, let's say I've gone from 180 to 190 in the last um, year or so. If I was to stay at 190 and continue training super hard, do you feel like you're going to be able to optimize muscle growth while staying at 190, or to continue to progress your body composition, you're going to have to continue to push to like a 195 before I mean, you starting your cut. I think
1: weight needs to slowly come up over time. Um, but it's kind of a fine line man i think that in the past i've probably been a little bit too aggressive with like the rate that i think i need to gain the rate other people need to gain i mean the number one things i'm looking at are always how's your training performance how's your recovery how's your motivation to train is the logbook progressing over time right and if we're seeing that if those things are on point we should see them like you're building muscle we can uh, as long as execution's in a good place like if you're progressing a logbook all this feedback is in a good place again like
0: and if you're in be, a hypertrophy style of training, like right. you exactly. got no choice. Exactly.
1: But I mean, the thing is the scale will always slowly increase as a product of that, like if we're building muscle and we're on a deficit, like we are going to be gaining a little bit of weight. So I would say like you will, um. You will see it come up still. I wouldn't like set the goal of necessarily trying to stay at 190. I think that would probably be counterproductive because you would eventually probably just see biofeedback start to dip and sure. then your number would that that'd be my take. I think that you will have to go past it though, to continue to build. like I would say there would probably will be a couple of months where you could just hang out at 190 and everything would be fine, but eventually you would sort of see things take a hit.
0: Yeah. I agree with that 100%. And so, like, the reason that I ask that and get your opinion is because that's kind of where I'm at, right? Like, I don't feel super, like, it's just kind of in my head, too. Like, I don't feel super comfortable getting above 190 too much just because, like, never really gotten above it. You know what I mean? I've, I've always been like at 190, my heaviest and at my highest body fat percentage to go above it. It's just kind of like a mental thing. So, for oh, yeah. me, it's like, okay, well, there's no reason to start cutting right now. I, I have nothing to be lean for going into the winter months, right? Like, not going like nothing's coming up that I need to be lean for or want to be lean for. So, like, I've got these next few months where I'm already at 190. Do I want to just continue pushing that and like just say screw it and get uncomfortable and just continue to push weight up? Or could I roughly stay around the same way, continue training harder and continue to see body composition improve, you know? So, like, it's just walking that fine line. But I agree with you 100%. Like, as a byproduct of doing everything right, the scales probably will continue to tick up over the next few months. But again, like, I'll probably like only get to a steady like 192, 193 before I get to a cut anyway. Like I don't need to be putting on, I don't need to be gaining weight at the same rate as I was before. Even if it's a half a pound per month as opposed to roughly a pound per month, like I'm still in a good position.
1: Oh, 100. And that's like on the flip side. I think that a lot of times it's detrimental. Something I like, some of the dudes that I work with that I always try to caution people of will do is like, hey, I want to hit, I want to see my weight get up to this number right 200 220 180 and it's like i'm just gonna push and eat to try to get there as quickly as possible and that's well okay we can only gain like for you with where you're at if you're fucking crushing it you're gaining a half pound of muscle a week right so like if we're trying to push this rate of gain so quick just to hit a certain weight the reality is you're just gonna gain a lot more fat whereas like maybe instead of taking two months to get there we take six months to get there or maybe we never get there but you have to just cut a lot less off, and you build the same amount of muscle as you were before, right? Like, that's on the flip side. You can't force feed muscle growth, and I think that's important for people to understand. Um, when you go into your cut, do you think you're gonna do that solo, or are you gonna work with? You have someone coach you through it?
0: I don't know, man. I haven't really thought through that yet. Like when you initially say that, my my thought process is definitely to hire somebody. Like that's what I want to do. Then I I sometimes get by analysis, just like Okay, well, like, who do I want to hire? Because, like, I'm guilty of, at this point, like, not really following along to any other coaches or, like, consuming anybody's content or being really into...
1: Honestly, I think that's a good place to be in, though.
0: Yeah, I was in... I was not there for a long time, and I was, like, looking at everybody's stuff and comparing my content to theirs and adjusting mine to be like theirs. And, like, at this point, I've just kind of found my own groove you know what i mean of like Mm -hmm. okay this is what i want to talk about these are the clients that i want to work with what i'm posting is working so i can kind of just block everything else out and just kind of do my own thing you know what i mean so i would like to hire somebody um who that person would be for like the i don't i'm not sure no i'm not sure who it would be no but the goal is probably two. like that's something that's super interesting with me as well like i went I've gotten absolutely shredded to the bone um, without a coach a few times. And I've just been able to dial in and completely get there. Uh, But nowadays, like I try to cut on my own like a year, maybe two years ago. And the goal was to go from the 190 to the 170. And I got Mm -hmm. to the 180 and I said, screw it. And like, that's the first time I had ever stopped short on myself on a cut. Cause I always took that stuff super seriously. Like it was like a pride thing. Like if no, if I'm dieting, like I'm telling my family, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, I'm telling everybody and like, this is what I'm doing and nothing's going to deter me from it. But the last time that I, and I got, I was successful with that like three or four times, like going through pretty, pretty strict cuts. But now I sold myself short on the last one. And so I feel like to truly get there, like I'm going to need a little bit of that extra accountability to make it happen.
1: I'd I be terrible without a coach, dude.
0: It's, do you? Yeah.
1: I mean, it, I would say, like, since I started coaching people, it's much harder for me to be as on point, especially with nutrition. Right, but, like, too, with, like, structuring your own training. And that's yeah. what, like, before, I guess, before I worked with a coach, I never, like, had a ton of structure with my own training. I was always just, like, kind of doing, like, there were these couple lifts I was trying to progress, but most everything was random as well, right? Yeah. And that's what I feel like it kind of, like, like after I got done working with Steve, there was like a couple of weeks there where I was like, I'm just going to like self-coach. And I forgot, which I don't like to admit that, but I think it's also, if you can just understand that about yourself, like, sure. yeah, hey, I need someone to hold me accountable. And if I do that, I crush it. Then you'll save yourself so much frustration. That was like, for me, it was like, okay, there's two weeks, built out my program and true coach assigned it to myself. And it was like, ah, I'm going to tweak this. I'm going to tweak this. I'm going to tweak this. And yeah. then like, just getting so much looser with everything than I wanted to be. Whereas if I have a coach, I'm always super on point. It's just a, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Like I'm, I'm impressed with how on point you stay for not working with someone.
0: Yeah. I don't It, it is interesting. Like I've always just been like, I've always just truly fitness and nutrition. I, I don't know. Like they've added so much. Like I feel like I'm so indebted to them and indebted to it. For some reason, like it's this is why like I was love, I love this stuff as like a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid. Like I was always obsessed with it. I didn't have a lot of knowledge back in the day, but always obsessed with it. And like just what it's done for me mentally, financially, like every aspect of my life, like fitness has been like the the foundation to like that seed being able to grow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I don't know man like it's just it's just a part of me like if I'm not training and if I'm not being somewhat dialed in with my nutrition and again like I'm a hell of a lot more flexible with my nutrition today than I ever used to be like I used to right. be on point with everything now like through this whole build like I said, I've just been very intuitive like I build up the skills and I preach a flexible lifestyle like i I preach like let's make this fit in your lifestyle and like make fitness a piece of you not like everything about you you know what I mean so i I try mm. to follow that same line of thinking for myself but but yeah, fitness and nutrition like have done so much for me over the years. That, like, it, I just yeah, I just love it. Like, I truly do just love it. But at the same time, yeah. I know I have to make sure that it's sustainable. And at this point in my life, I have a lot of other responsibilities too, with family, with business, all that kind of stuff. That like, it's not the main pillar like it used to be. But I'll never let it go just because I respect what it's done for me. If that makes sense.
1: No, I I can 100 appreciate. I I think that like more than anything it's just like, if I don't, if I don't have someone doing that, then it bothers me how like unstructured I am. Like yeah. I'm the same way. I fucking love training and learning about it. Same thing with nutrition, but it's like, okay, my approach to my training right now isn't that structured. I don't have like the next couple months planned out and like, what my, well, how I should be progressing, et cetera. And that really bothers me.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think
1: it's a lot easier to like, for me, it's so much easier for me to like, do that, make sure like the client has all that planned out. Like I can see that very clearly versus for myself. It's like, Oh, I'll, I'll figure it out later. You know what I mean?
0: I'm the exact same dude. I am 100% the exact same there. Like everything's definitely not all dialed now, like running, um, having somebody else handling my training, that's super convenient. Cause my training was always kind of like what I felt like I wanted to do. You know what I mean? And like, I took a couple of years, like <clears throat> focus on a lot of strength stuff. Then I went to more of like a functional aspect of training, which Yeah. I don't even agree with that term, honestly, anymore at this point. Like it just, what, what is it? Like, what is, (laughs) what is functional training?
1: I, I, I agree.
0: You know, like that's how, that's where I'm at with it. Like there's like, you, you gain more function through being stronger or adding more muscle to be more durable. You know what I mean? Which is through strength training and hypertrophy training. So like, why wouldn't you just optimize those two in their own respects? And like, you're going to be a more functional human because of it but like to deem yeah. something functional or like functional exercises like
1: it, that's stupid <laughs> it just doesn't
0: make sense to me at this point i don't know I like agree. it just it doesn't make no, a, a ton of sense to me
1: it's what are your functions that you're yeah. trained for right and like i trained that
0: like- way for a while like i was training to where i had like okay, like my functional session was like strength. Like I had strength work. I had a little bit of hypertrophy work. Then I had a bunch of like aerobic work in there as well. And then I was like kind of mixing the aerobic work with the hypertrophy work and the strength work. And I was just like, like I worked out hard, but like, was I creating the best results and changing my body composition because of it? Or was I just feeling like I was working out hard and like deeming it functional? Like I was going to be a more functional human being because of it, you know what I mean? And so- It just never yeah I don't know how I got off on that rant that's just been something that's been on my mind a lot lately like people like everybody like there's a big section of our industry that's into that and that's fine like I get it like it just for me it's like this isn't really like attacking a goal and achieving really anything it's just kind of getting half-assed from everything you know what I mean
1: yeah um uh, What's your opinion? I want to to hear your opinion. There's things about it that I can't say on the podcast that we could get into. But, um, yeah, I think think that almost, like, at least from the people that I follow that talk a lot about, like, do these functional movements or, like, this functional whatever, um, it's kind of, it kind of, like, somewhat reminds me of CrossFit where it's, like, a – Kind of like a jack of all trades, master and none, right? Like, it's a ton of like, I'm going to use like this half kneeling landline press variation or like these bottoms up kettlebell carries. And it's like, we're doing a lot of very like, okay, so like the half kneeling shoulder press is the half kneeling like landline shoulder press is that really going to do is that actually gonna give you enough stimulus to actually like build a stronger, more stable core versus like if you just did a dedicated, like heavy single arm suitcase carry or like just did like a heavy squat, right? What are, what are the adaptations that we even need like the stronger core for? Or like for your delts? like is that, is that variation of the press gonna give you the best hypertrophy stimulus? And like a lot of times it like turns into the, I think again, like these exercises that look, cool and it's almost like it's like i think the same people that do this a lot are also the people that shit on like it's not like functional training shouldn't be you doing stuff on the bosu ball but like still they're like now again this is just from like what i see on instagram but it's basically like a lot of movements that aren't that effective for hypertrophy but it's like what really is the goal here because you're also not training for like powerlifting. Why wouldn't you just like, like if you could train in a similar manner, but just use smarter exercises for hypertrophy and get more jacked and like have, if you want like this better general physical preparedness, you could like still train with whatever. Maybe you're doing like more super, like a push pull superset, For example, maybe you're doing like more things like that and you're taking short rest periods, but you just use smart exercises and get more jacked in the process and have the same level of physical preparedness. I, I don't know dude. it is. I agree. I, I think we're probably like thinking of the same people, when we're talking about this, at least like from like what, like who's putting like stuff like this out there. But I think it's like, uh, I don't know. That's my take on it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Like, I think, I do think that there's a specific, like part of the, just like the population that comes from CrossFit, like to mm-hmm. introduce them into the bodybuilding world and like hypertrophy world, like it can be a good bridge. Like I know that when I bring in people from CrossFit and I'm transitioning them into more body compositions, focused training, like a lot of hypertrophy style training, I'll, I'll make it more appealing to them because like, let's be honest, like one piece like what the positive that I guess I'll give it is a lot of people need to feel like they're working out and they want to have fun with their training. And if, if they enjoy training that way and it's fun for them and it gets them into the gym, then 100%, right. Go out and do it and enjoy it. Is it going to be the most optimal result based? No. But again, at the end of the day, like like we can talk in circles here because optimal is, (laughs) is individualized to the person, right? Like optimal is what you can be consistent with for the longest period of time. In my opinion, like that's, That's what we're aiming for when we're looking for optimization, um, on a client to client basis, in my opinion. And so like some people, if they're more consistent and they enjoy training that way and it keeps them coming back, then train that way. You're going to get better results from that as opposed to like, uh, a program that's based in hypertrophy, like that's, that's optimal for hypertrophy that you don't enjoy and you're not consistent with, well, then like the other program is going to lead to a better result. But at the same time, if you're goal-based and like, that's your focus and that's what you're trying to get from your efforts, then trying to like train in a, a functional manner is just kind of, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I, I guess well, it again, just depends on where thing. the person comes from. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a thing. Like, yeah, that's like, that leads back to the very th- first thing that I said, like, what is it exactly? Right.
1: Basically. I think it's like what I've seen is like using more TRX doing more free weights, and stuff.
0: All, more free weights, like not really throwing in much machine work potentially.
1: Right. Yeah. I would say, though, too, from, like, the enjoyment training program, enjoyment perspective, honestly, dude, that's something to push back against clients a lot harder with. Whereas, like, a lot of new clients will start, and it's like, hey, I really like that this exercise can work this in. I really like this can work this in. And I'll typically say, like, now, again, like, this is a fine line. Like, we're very heavy. Like, I'm going to have you rate the pump the disruption you get out of every movement within each training day so we can make sure, like, it's effective, I'm going to have you drop me form videos. And of course, like if something hurts or it doesn't feel like it's effective, I want to dig into it. But typically what I'll tell people is like someone coming from a different goal that like, Hey, you want to get jacked. You want to build muscle. Like your goal is this trust, like trust, just trust me on this for a muscle cycle, right? Like let's first and foremost, like if you start coaching, but it's like, Oh, Hey, I really like to train like this, right? Like I really like like this training program. I follow and I really like this movement, this movement, this movement if I am tweaking that to you rather than just building you the best possible plan, I think for your goals, you're going to basically get the same results you got if you were programming for yourself. Right. And again, like it's, you don't. Yes. that's, and I think probably some of that too is like, it could just be a client difference, but really that's like how I'll typically, uh, like I, I really, really push back against that with like, Hey, just because you like, like, I built this program because I truly think this is the most effective program for you. I get, I understand where you're coming from. And if it is like, I love this movement, this movement's super effective for me, this movement's super effective for me. Normally that's something we'll cover beforehand and I'll probably work that in your program if it matches your goals. But even like past that, if it's like, I like to train this way better, or I like to train this way better. Like I need you to trust me as a client that like, there's a reason you hired me, right? Like, and I can help you achieve better results than you can get on your own. Right. But I don't know, kind of, a di- kind of a different tangent.
0: Right? No, I, I, I appreciate that perspective because I think that that's that's important to add to the equation as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's easy to pander to. I think that happened to me a lot earlier in my career as well. Like, people would come in and they would see like what I have programmed for them, nutrition wise or training wise, and then like any complaints or whatever they would have off the back of it. Like, I would just whatever they wanted, I would be including. So it was basically their program and not my program. And they never got the result that they wanted. You're 100% right. Until like, I got into that same form of a, a mindset of like people asking questions or like, Hey, my heart rate's not getting up as much or, Hey, like, I don't feel like I worked out at the end of my my right. workout or, or whatever it may be. And before I'd be like, okay, well, let's throw in this little metabolic circuit for you. Like, here you go. Like let's, let's take care of your needs first, as opposed to taking care of the needs of your goals, which is going to keep you mm-hmm. consistent, motivated for longer. And as I've started to push back on that in the last few years and, and get people to buy into the goal as opposed to like just the enjoyment of what they're doing in the now usually they stay more consistent because the goal comes around and they start to appreciate it and enjoy it because it's actually getting them to where they want to be long term as opposed to like spinning their wheels doing it on their own like you mentioned so I think yeah. that's a 100% valid point to bring up and, and definitely needs to be taken into consideration.
1: I think there's some context to there also though like if it's a fat loss client and their number one outcome is fat loss or like you there's probably a lot more flexibility there but I think of like people that like specifically people that their goal is number one goal is to build muscle every and I was I was thinking about this recently which is why I have this whole long spiel about it now but everyone I've worked with where every client I've worked with where I've let them largely dictate like hey I don't like this movement I saw this movement on Instagram this and said can we do this instead oh I really love a finisher here any client I've ever let do that they never get nearly as good results. Right. And I think so probably a lot of it too has been me just like trusting myself more and more as a coach. It kind of sounds like a dick thing to say that to like, I know what's best for you. I like, I want to collaborate with you, but again, like there's a reason you hired me. Right. And a lot of it is to just get you out of your own way. That's my tangent on that though.
0: I would agree 100% with everything that you said. I didn't plan on going into that deep of a spiel. I like it though. That was a good talk. (laughs) Me too. Me too. All right. We've got some questions here. I'm actually the one with all of the questions for this episode. So you want me to to hop in, Jeremiah, and start asking? Cool. Question numero uno. How do I increase my testosterone levels with a stressful life?
1: (laughs) Uh, All right. So within what you can do naturally. I mean, stress is going to increase. You cortisol just take
0: TRT, I thought. <laughs>
1: Honestly, that's what I'd recommend. <laughs> no, that's I'm not actually recommending. I'm just that. joking too. I'm joking. not. I'm not. Not pushing either direction there. But what I, I mean, stress is going to increase cortisol. Cortisol and testosterone are going to kind of have an inverse relationship. So when cortisol levels are higher, testosterone is going to be inhibited a bit more. Um, and then cortisol is typically going to cause some struggles with your sleep, so thus, um, again, will typically and that will again typically reduce testosterone levels. So it can kind of create a cascade of downstream effects that will kind of hurt your test levels. I mean, I think we can both fully relate to this. I know we've talked about this a lot. Like, it's so it's quite a bit harder to be Jack now than it was like five Way years ago, where <laughs> literally the yeah. only thing you cared about was lifting, and it was like. I mean, I don't have a job. I can just do whatever longer than five years ago, I suppose. But it's a, it's kind of a different ballgame now, whereas like stress is, and I think we're probably two people that are under quite a bit of stress as well. I know for me, this has been one of the hardest things and I've gotten a lot better at managing it. I would really say like over the last eight months, I just realized dude, like I'm treating myself terribly with, not with like a, like a, I eat healthy food. I hit my macros, I train, but the way that like I was handling my own sleep and stress management was like, you just have to be better at it. Um, one, I think it's like, it's important to create boundaries around your stressors too. Right. Like for me, it's important to have, Hey, before I check my emails in the morning, because as you know, like there's almost undoubtedly going to be something that, causes a little bit of stress spike as soon as you open your email inbox, right? Just your phone.
0: Just opening your phone. <laughs> phone, same <laughs> way, yeah.
1: And that's the same, same thing for me. It's emails, any social media. I have to at least have, like, gone for a walk outside, um, taking some time to a journal and work through, like, why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Things I'm grateful for. Those are the things I have to do before I even open that shit up. Same thing, like, if I'm, I talk to so many of my clients that are coaches about this as well. If it's, like, Hey, I'm just going to check my email right before I go to bed. <laughs> Again, there's a lot of times something in there that's going to be like, fuck, I'm just, you're just thinking about this. It's always on your mind. That's really going to disrupt your sleep. Like, so basically, I'm kind of talking around the point here, but um, within what you can do naturally, is primarily going to be how can, you opt- how can you still get good sleep and what can you realistically do to drop stress levels, right? If your career is very stressful, the reality is stress is just going to be there. I think one thing too – for me that's very much helped is just understanding that like at least with in what we do there's just so many highs and lows and there's always going to be highs and lows right like clients we're having so many people hop on board we're crushing it right now okay this undoubtedly means that there's gonna be a big drop off soon and like in a couple weeks i know i'm gonna be like "Fuck, why is everything falling apart right and it's just always gonna be like that i think understanding that is very helpful um but then like actually more tangible things I really just setting boundaries for yourself with the stressful thing. Like this is when I allow myself to start engaging with this in the morning. This is my cutoff time at night. So like for me, it's super helpful to have, okay, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, I have to be done working by 6 p.m. Right. I made that agreement with Katie. Um Mondays, Wednesdays, I can work later, right? And then it's like I don't want to allow myself to check an email before bed, right? I typically try to stop answering emails after 6 p.m. outside of on my check-in days, etc. Um, And two, I think that a lot of people that are very, like, stressed individuals kind of abuse caffeine. I know I have for a very long time. Stimulants as a whole, I think. Um, I know, like, you were super into cocaine for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) it's all true. Uh, The stimulants for real, like, I think people that are kind of type A and high stress typically go around stimulants. Trying to keep your caffeine, like, cutting it off to noon. Rather than like, okay, if I have 300 milligrams of caffeine, at, like I know for a while, like my first couple of years of, of training people in person, I was doing well over a thousand milligrams of caffeine a day and I was sleeping yeah, like four or five good. hours a night. No, dude, it was, I felt awful all the time.
0: Yeah, that's not good. But
1: so again, like still making sure I would, I would, and that'll have a carryover to your sleep. I don't know how this turned into such a long answer. That'll have a very positive carryover to your sleep. Even like Ashwagandha is a relatively proven supplement supplement that i think it would make sense to potentially supplement with maybe after you train but also like a couple hours before bed personally and with clients i found that to also be very helpful to actually just kind of relax and be able to sleep but again it's like on you to also make sure that um you're not like exposing yourself to stressors like your email inbox i would say at least like an hour before bed to at least 30 minutes before bed and kind of like allow yourself time to wind down as well because really basically this is going to be what can you do to optimize your sleep right and make sure you get as much as possible so push for eight hours of sleep at night and that's basically what I would say Do you have any additional thoughts on that
0: Um, not directly I think that you nailed it right on point just in terms of like the biggest thing testosterone is just a hormone in the body meaning like hormones are the production of like you can downregulate hormones or, or optimize hormones, but like, it's all going to come down to just taking care of yourself first and foremost, right? right? Like sleep recovery from training, like not overtraining, making sure that you're not keeping yourself in a calorie deficit for too long of a period of time. Like just making sure that you're, you're optimizing homeostasis as best as possible. But um, I think that you crushed that, but to dive into it a little bit deeper, have you had your testosterone levels tested?
1: I haven't. This is actually something I keep meaning to do because I, do you want to start digging deeper into blood work and whatnot um same I think we're trying to get something set up to where Andrea and I are kind of mentoring underneath Alan Cress um oh, cool so hopefully that works out and I want to dig a lot deeper into better understanding that so we can also help clients with it no, I haven't have you
0: no, I've got the tests sitting in my bathroom right now <laughs> from How I' do take
1: it-, it you don't poke yourself
0: <laughs> yeah so like. Yeah, it's oh. just I just haven't taken it. So like I ordered it from Let'sGetChecked.com, and okay. um I, I've had it in my bathroom for literally like two months because That's I wanted okay. to do it. I want something I, STD test. <laughs> no, it's not an STD test. I promise. It's okay. It's okay, I'm, dude. I'm clear. But anyway, I've got that sitting in there. It's been sitting there for two months, and I just haven't gone ahead and and actually like read the instructions to be able to understand how to do it and how to send it back. I just got it on a whim because I wanted to do it and haven't taken the time to actually get it done. But one more maybe you don't want to answer this maybe this is personal but are you will you consider like in your later years getting on something like trt which is just testosterone replacement essentially
1: i for sure i for sure would i don't think that there's like if my quality of life started to deteriorate or like my mood started to deteriorate um i for sure would i don't think that there's anything wrong with it
0: I honestly think that like i'm like for me too, like the reason I asked that is so i can I can basically talk about myself, <laughs> but like right. i i um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> being honest, but like for that like I'm at a point now to like if my test is I can feel my testosterone being low like my I can feel my anxiety levels being higher, like my stress is being higher, like there's obviously ways there that I can improve that on my own. And I need to optimize that kind of stuff first. Like I'm getting to that point now to where I'm potentially thinking about at some point, getting on something like TRT. And when I say that, like everybody listening, if, if you're not educated in terms of TRT or what that is or, or whatnot, it's not like a steroid or anything like that. All that it is, is like you do it under a doctor's supervision. So it's 100% legal and you go in and you basically, if your testosterone levels are low, the doctors will prescribe you testosterone, um, to optimize your level. So like, you won't go into like superhuman levels or anything. You'll just be able to get back to an optimized level for like what a, a 20, 30 year old person could be at. Like you're just going to always be at that in your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, potentially, um, just to have more energy to, I've heard like one thing that I've heard that it really, really helps with, with the people that I've talked about that are on it, um, that struggle with like, anxiety which is something that that I struggle with and I'm working heavily on now because I've had some issues with it in the past Um, one of the biggest reasons that I it it pulled gravitates me is because I've heard the effects that it's had with anxiety like the confidence that it brings back just like into just like being good in your own skin and not really having to deal with anxiety and like I have a lot of tools and things that I use like to help myself with it and I've learned like working with therapists and different things like that that I'm okay but getting on that is, is super tempting because of that. But the only thing is you got to stay on it forever, but it's definitely something that I'm, I'm considering now. Like that's why I got those tests and everything. I don't even know if I'm low. I, I can almost guarantee that I am, but, but yeah, it's interesting.
1: Do you have to stick yourself for that? Do you have to draw your own blood for that test or how does it work?
0: Yeah. It's like, a, but it's just a prick. <laughs> I think it's my finger. Like it's a oh, prick. Really? It's nothing big, dude. It's like, it's very, it's not like a big, like blood test, blood sample. It's like a little tiny prick.
1: That was my thing, dude. I hate getting my blood drawn.
0: So do I. I don't. I hate that shit. But this Did is. a Did you ever sell plasma? Major. No, I was uh, never quite d- that poor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dude, I was I was selling plasma so hard in college to pay really? for pre workout and beer. Yeah, uh, not man, beer, that's vodka. Okay. I, was more, I was more a vodka guy. But <laughs> oh, dude, it was the worst. You would just sit there for like forty minutes with this. Just you squeeze this pump ball, this little stress ball, the whole time. Yeah. And it just like they pull it out, but then it they like filter it, and then it goes back in, and it's like all cold, and it's it's the grossest thing, dude. Um, yeah, I never did that.
0: No. How much that, did they pay you? How much did they give you?
1: It was like 40, 50 bucks
0: for like an hour of your time or something. Mm-hmm.
1: It was just the grossest thing in the world, though. Um, no, dude, the TRT is definitely an interesting. I, I didn't. I thought I was straight up that's been like my biggest hesitation. I didn't know if it's just like you break your finger. Yeah, like absolutely <laughs> with that. I genuinely just hate getting my blood drawn so much or like a vasectomy. Would you get a vasectomy?
0: Um, that is a good question. My wife and I haven't like really had that conversation in depth yet to understand. I know that like because we're still trying to have it, we want to have one more baby, right? And we haven't had the conversation of like at the end of that who's going to get what i don't know i mean if she's like chaz i don't want to like i don't want to get my tube side like i don't want to have to go through that whatever it may be like will you take care of it then i 100 percent would yeah but like to go to her and be like hey i'm just gonna do this without having like don't worry about it like i don't know if i would do it in that sense do you know yeah. what i mean so like no, if sure. she yeah if she wants me to do it because she doesn't want to so that we can stop having kids one hundred percent. If she wants us to go ahead and do it, like I'll probably just let her take care of it. What about you? <laughs> um
1: <laughs> I would if she was gonna so a woman getting their tube side is a lot harder than like a dude getting them a sex Really?
0: See, I don't even I'm not I I don't even know. I'm not knowledgeable.
1: I would definitely would I mean we're we're not gonna have kids, so I don't know. I mean, fuck, I probably should get one right now. <laughs> we're not <laughs> we're not married though, so we're also not.
0: Let's not not have this conversation (laughs) on
1: the podcast. Um, Sorry, mom. (laughs) My mom still listens to all my podcasts. So does
0: mine. So does mine. (laughs)
1: Anyways, (laughs) no, I, I, I definitely would if it was like something that I would much rather do that. But still, just like the thought of it is the grossest thing. I mean, like one of my clients got upset and he was talking about, dude. I just like have this. It's like a out thing, which is crazy. But he's like, dude, I just have like when I do hack squats now, I just have like this weird tension, and I just don't know how else to describe it. So I don't know, mm-hmm. something about that is like, oh, dude.
0: Yeah. See, I don't know. I I don't. I'm not knowledgeable enough to to know like what it. I know somebody who had one reversed. It's like I know somebody that got. <laughs> here's another tangent. I know what, somebody. <laughs> no, but there was. I know somebody who was married to somebody. Got a little bit older, and then got divorced. Had a vasectomy, got older, got divorced, and then got remarried to somebody younger, um, and got the vasectomy reversed so that they could have kids with the the with the younger the new younger wife because the new okay. younger wife wanted to have kids. So it is reversible, but
1: I don't I don't honestly actually know what they do
0: me either i just always thought that was interesting like you got it done and then you got it reversed and you're able to have kids again and then like you're gonna need to get it done again or like how the hell does that work
1: i I, I don't i don't know i don't think about it anymore i kind of forgot what we're talking about we're still talking about testosterone huh
0: yeah yeah let's move on to the (laughs) next question (laughs) that is how you can optimize your testosterone (laughs) exactly exactly all right question number two how much does age affect weight loss
1: take it away dude
0: that's a great question that is super common that honestly i deal with a lot we have a, a lot of ladies that come in that work with us that are like 40s 50s maybe even sometimes like 60s even and and everybody is always so damn worried that their age is going to stop them from losing weight that's the like i'll just be we were joking earlier about how i'll be i'm a dick in my podcast store or my, my podcast, my Instagram stories, like I'm going to say it to you right here, right now, like your, your age is not what's stopping you from losing weight. Most likely, are there some instances where it can make weight loss harder? Absolutely. Hormones will slow down. Um, like for older men, testosterone decreases for women. If you go through menopause, that kind of thing, like hormones are going to get in the way and it and can make it harder. Is it going to stop you from losing weight and to stop you from being able to lose body fat or get into better shape? Absolutely not. At the end of the day, that's going to come down to your habits and what you do the majority of the time, in my opinion. Like I, I've worked with people who are 20, 30, and they've seen less progress than those who are 40, 50, 60, um, just because of the habit change, even with the older people with, with probably less optimized hormonal production as opposed to the mm-hmm. younger people. And so it always comes down to that. Like the, the prime example of this is my mom. You, my mom's like, um, uh, she's, I think she just turned 50. I don't know. How old are you, mom? Um, she's around her fifties, <laughs> but she's she listens jacked. to this. Yeah. Yeah. She okay. listens. I'm sure she'll be listening. That's why I said jokes how, out of how, yeah. <laughs> No, but she's in, like, if you saw my mom, she is in amazing. She's jacked. Like she's got she shoulder jacked. caps. I just, like, I, you lean. posted her on your
1: story a while back. I was like, damn.
0: Yeah. She's lean. Yeah, she's she's jacked. jacked. She's in great shape. And again, she's older. Uh, she's the same age as a lot of these ladies that I work with that will use their age as an excuse. So At the end of the day, is age going to affect weight loss? Can it make weight loss a little bit harder in some instances, or maybe you have to diet on a little bit lower calories? Potentially, but more than anything, the reason that it affects weight loss is because the habits that you have have been ingrained for such a long period of time that breaking those habits, um, and building up a a new lifestyle and focusing on, um, different task lists throughout the day and different responsibilities to create the weight loss that you want that's the hard thing that has to be worked through um more than anything else in my opinion there's actually some new research that came out on this showing metabolisms Mm -hmm. i'm sure that you look through all of that as well showing that even from like the age 20 to i believe 60 correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't it from 20 to 60 i believe so in that time frame your metabolism doesn't actually start to down regulate like your metabolism basically stays what it is it just depends on how you treat it how you treat your bodies which is going to dictate where your metabolism goes so if you're drinking a lot of alcohol you're eating like shit you're not training like obviously you're gonna get yourself in a position where your metabolism slows down but that's not because you're older that's just because you've had bad habits in place for such a long period of time right? That's what's created that. And then even after 60, it shows that the decrease in your metabolic rate is very insignificant. I can't remember what the exact numbers were for it. I dove into that study when it came out a while ago and it was kind of popular and, and right. really looked through all of it made some posts and stuff about it too. But I can't remember how much it starts to, your, your metabolism starts to slow down, but I think it's like 1% or 2% per year or something like that. That's like very, very insignificant. And so does age affect weight loss it depends on how you look at it. But more importantly, it's not that your body can't continue to lose. It's more of getting out of your own way and stopping using it, stopping using that as a crutch as to why you can't lose
1: weight. That's, uh, I don't have a lot to add to that. A lot of people use it as a crutch and it's not valid. I mean, okay. Like menopause can make it a bit more of a challenge for sure.
0: How so are you knowledgeable in that? Like, like why, why does it make it like, cause I get, we get people that come in and work with us that have, that are going through menopause and things like that. And like, I've worked with people who have been through menopause and they're, they're past it and they come in and I help them drop 15, 25 pounds. And like, they're in a great spot and then others come in and they use that as an excuse and like maybe don't end up reaching their goals because like they're, they're stuck on that. When as opposed, like, do you understand like what actually happens when somebody goes through so, menopause? So I
1: shouldn't say it makes Fat loss more of a challenge, but rather during menopause, a lot of times women will experience wild, like, water wave fluctuations because mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy things going on hormones. So more from a mental perspective, and yeah. to reframe that, I would say that a lot of times it will be like, a, "Hey, my weight is all over the place. Like, my weight's up five pounds now, and like, I think it can get frustrating to like, okay, let's look at these other metrics. Let's look at that body Measurements, progress pictures. I think that's something that can deter people or like make it from their perception, make it seem like it's harder than it necessarily is. Um, but yeah, it's still like very, I so I kind of phrase that incorrectly, but it's something that can, I, I would say, mess with people's heads a lot more and make it seem like okay, you're in male policy, you can't lose weight, right?
0: Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, and when like going through menopause and whatnot, like your metabolic rate can slow a little bit as well. Right. Is that, uh, I'm not actually sure about that one. Really? I was always under the conception that as like you're going through menopause, like your, your metabolic rate will slow down. That could be completely false on that. Could just be like full transparency. Like I'm not an expert when it comes to menopause or like an expert oh, when it comes to hormones, like our, our both of our expertise, are body composition, Focused. It's right. not like into the weeds with that kind of stuff. We have a general understanding, but like I, I don't dive in and like really learn about that kind of stuff. If I had Alex on who works for me, he uh he like he's a nerd on that kind of stuff. He, Alex is smart. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> whenever I, I have those types of questions. Smart. I always ask him because he yeah, he's dove into all those certs and like done all that kind of stuff. So which is super helpful. And he's the one that works with all those types of clients that come in with us generally. But anyway, I got should we go hop into one more? You got Let's anything get else it. to add to that? Are you good?
1: I don't, I don't think so. I think we're in the same boat there, too. Like, That's typically all I'll ask, Andrea, questions like that because if someone's struggling with anything of that nature, I'll just typically, hey, you're the perfect fit to work with Andrea. She knows a lot yeah. more. So I'll have to ask her, honestly. Um, yeah. What do you got for me?
0: All right. Last question that we're going to dive into. How do I figure out how many calories I need to be eating if I've been under-eating for too long and I, and still – if I've been under eating for too long and still have more fat that I need to lose, that makes sense. I need to re it.
1: How do I figure how many calories I need to be eating if I've been under eating for too long and still have more fat to lose? Yeah. So is our goal to keep losing fat?
0: Yeah. They want to lose more body fat, but they don't know how many calories they should be eating to lose body fat because they've been under eating.
1: Um, <laughs> I love these questions. Um, <laughs> Untangle, what would,
0: that. Untangle that one.
1: Uh, okay, I'm just trying to work through that in my head. Um, what I would say is, first of all, uh, if you feel like you've been under eating and you haven't lost fat, um, and it does genuinely seem like you're eating a very small amount, I believe that we talked about this the, the last podcast, where basically you can really downregulate your metabolism if you're under eating protein, if you don't have adequate muscle tissue, and you're not getting enough steps. So what I would say first and foremost is, I would focus on, I would estimate where your maintenance calories are and I would focus on spending a couple months eating because this is something that's impossible to give a generalized answer, but I'm just going to do my yep. best here. Yep. Um, I like where I you're would going to, your the right way. I would do, I'm glad I got your approval. Um, <laughs> I would, I would take realistically at least three to four months to just focus on eating more. Try to. Get your calories to about a maintenance level, focus on bringing your steps up. So if you don't have a step target, I would establish one and then try to increase your steps by like 2,000 to 3,000. And realistically, if you can bump your steps up to like 8,000 to 10,000 a day, you'll be in a good place. Make sure you're eating, if you're under eating protein, slowly ramp that up to about one gram per pound of body weight. If you're not lifting weights with a focus on building muscle, I would start doing so three or four times a week. I would spend three to four months like that. Now. After that, because again, you're gonna be and I would also honestly like look at and here's where our opinions might differ a little bit, but I would also probably dig into like the ratio of carbs to fat that you're eating. And basically you don't have to get super complex with this, but I would try to eat a balanced diet and I would make sure you're at least eating like one to one point five grams of carbs per pound of body weight. Um try to get in plenty of those around your training, right? And that'll basically help fuel away your training to help fuel your recovery so you'll be able to build more muscle tissue so then at the end of this three to four months you have more muscle you've been consistently moving a lot more eating a lot more protein um your metabolism is basically going to be faster because of that so then from there i would spend the last couple of weeks of that phase again just trying to eat at an intake where you're just maintain your weight and going into your phallus phase i would just drop 500 calories from that number And you'll probably see yourself lose about a pound to a pound and a quarter a week. Um, (laughs) That's what I got.
0: No, I would agree, man. 100%. I think a lot of the time, like if you, if you think that you're under eating and you're not losing weight, so you don't know how many calories that you should be at. The first thing that I would do, um, everything Jeremiah is right on point, but but really dive in and look at, are you truly under eating? Right. Like this is, this is usually where it comes down to. Like if you're under eating Monday through Friday and then you're YOLOing on Saturday and Sunday, you don't really know how much you're eating on Saturday and Sunday. Chances are like, if you're eating, let's say 1500 to 2000 calories on uh, Monday through Friday, but then you're eating 3000 to 4,000 calories on Saturday and Sunday, like your maintenance, you're probably not under eating. Your maintenance probably isn't even slowed down in the first place, right? Like you're, you're probably sitting at a point like for an, I'm thinking of an there's like an average male here who's usually a maintenance level of somewhere between like twenty five hundred to three thousand calories per day like for like a general guideline like just an average person, um, so again like you're probably eating around that maintenance level for the entire week you're just under eating on the weekdays to overeat on the on the times where you're not really paying attention and social occasions comes up and life gets in your way to where it's too big of an inconvenience to focus on your nutrition, right? So that's where I always start when somebody comes in and says that they're truly under eating is I take a look at everything, like looking through food logs, seeing how what, what you're eating compared to what you're eating on the weekends, get a really good understanding of what that looks like. And if, then if you're in the position of you actually truly are under eating, then I would go into a step-by-step process of everything that Jeremiah just explained to you and follow that process. But before that, just truly make sure that you are under eating. Like, I know that's kind of a cliche thing to talk about in the fitness industry, but like, especially with the clients that I have and that come in, right? Like that's always a, a big issue is like, oh, I'm not eating enough. Well, like if you're truly not eating enough, like you probably would have seen pretty significant weight loss before your metabolism slowed down in the first place, right? Like it's not just automatically just gonna be, your metabolism is gonna be slow. like as you adapt down, like there's going to be an adaptation take place after losing a significant amount of weight. In my opinion, would you agree with that or would you differ?
1: No, absolutely. I fully agree. That's again, I think it wasn't in the last episode where I was talking about like the, the starving kids that like,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Same yeah. thing. Exact <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Exact same thing.
1: Um, I won't bring up that analogy again, but you would, if you, if you under, if you're under eating to where you can't lose fat, you're basically saying like, I am, it's literally impossible for me to start that's uh, that's yeah. probably not the case, right? So, uh, yeah, that's such an important thing to touch on too. Some people, some people can are eating less than you would expect, and not losing as quickly as you expect because again, they're not moving enough. They haven't focused on building muscle. They're under eating protein.
0: Yeah.
1: But there's not like a while wow, you're eating too little, thus you're not losing.
0: So, the person know. that asked this question too, like I'm kind of thinking of them because I know who they are, like. I know that they train really hard like they're very consistent with their training they're moving a lot like they train kind of like a crossfit style okay. like they're they're very have some muscle on the frame you know what i mean so like mm-hmm. that's why i kind of go to like maybe you're not actually under eating you know that's yeah
1: yeah i would say that's probably the thing that went on it and i would again probably dig deeper especially like with that i would look at how are you feeling your body or are you giving yourself enough carb or like what's this even like what's your peri workout nutrition like that's we could probably get a lot deeper into the minutiae there but again like this food that you're taking in like where is it being showed to is it like very much a situation where like maybe you're following a higher fat diet so very much like the fuel doesn't match the demand that you're putting on your body and uh, but again like when it comes to fat loss is that going to make that big of a difference i mean to an extent where your nutrients are being partitioned yeah but still i i agree with your point
0: Sure. 100% dude well that's all that we're going to get into full transparency oh. I have got to pee gross, so <laughs> all right we'll catch you guys next time peace out